The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Nathan Backrack. He is the Chief Executive Officer at Simply Money, which is a financial advisor and investment management firm based in Cincinnati, Ohio. Welcome to the show, Nathan. How you doing, Jordan? So let's just start with your background a little bit. You've been in the financial business for a long time, but just give people a sense of your financial background. Well, I actually started out part-time. Over 30 years ago, I needed to make some extra money. I was working uh, evenings and weekends over kitchen tables. Uh, Back then, I was uh, telling people to get term insurance and get mutual funds. Those mutual funds, by the way, Jordan, had an 8.5% load, and everybody was happy to have them because that was the only thing available. Imagine trying to tell somebody they're going to pay that much commission to buy a mutual fund today, that would be a, uh, a very funny and a very short conversation. <laughs> yes. But that really got me started working uh, uh, with, with average people, typical uh, investors, uh, not the 1%, the other 99%. And from there, I got a really good understanding of just how people view money. And quite honestly, it seemed to be that uh, people didn't know a whole lot about money, and money seemed pretty complicated. And the more I got into it, the more I determined that uh, uh, the only thing complicated about the money business was people in it, and the more complicated money seemed, the higher the fee and the compensation to the person talking to you. So simply money evolved out of trying to make the money business simple. If you put it in simple, straightforward terms and you, and you help people to understand what it is you're suggesting and why you're suggesting they do it, well, what we found is that people appreciate that uh, and they actually trust you and they don't have to be a skeptical because they know exactly what they're paying, they know what they're investing in, they know what the long-term goals are. It winds up with a much better relationship, and uh, you know it's turned into a pretty nice business over the last 30 years. So tell me about your clientele. Is it mostly retired and pre-retired people, or, and what kind of services do you provide them? It's pre-retiree and retirees, and I would say the average person probably walking in our door might be anywhere uh, from 47 to 53 years of age. Uh, average age, probably 60, because when you've been around for 30 years, people you met in their mid-40s are now in their mid-60s. Interesting statistic, Jordan, uh, we manage, uh, we have assets under advisement, which I think is a horrible term, as if that's the way to judge a firm. And that's really no way, in my opinion, to judge a firm. I like it to look at aspirations under management, for which we have 1,750. That's 1,750 families um, that we help. I can tell you, uh, we manage about $680 million uh, of client money as of the end of September. And we're writing checks and sending out checks to people who are retired of about $50 million bucks a year. And so our, our typical uh, client is getting ready to retire or has retired, and they're trying to answer that very simple question, uh, will my money last as long as I do? And will I have to uh, be dependent on my children or will I be okay? Do you take clients from around the country or just mostly in the Cincinnati area? We take them from around the country, uh, though I will tell you, most of the folks that we work with probably from the uh, tri-state area, which is Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana here, uh, a lot of people now in Florida who started out here 
have now gone down to uh, uh, retirement uh, destinations, which from Cincinnati often would be Florida. Uh, but more and more, we're having uh, virtual relationships or, uh, if you will, now the last three feet and the relationship or between an, uh, an advisor on our staff and a client uh, might be the three feet when they sit and uh, have uh, look at the image of their planner in Ohio, even though they could be anywhere in the world. So what are some of the big issues that your clients are bringing up to you today? If they're retired, they may have capital, but they're not earning anything on their CDs, money market funds, savings accounts. They're worried about getting yield. What are some of the things that you're hearing from your clients that most concerns them? Well, I think the, the first thing is how do you get the kinds of returns that you need and yet not take a lot of risk? And many of the discussions, uh, Jordan, these days are revolving around um, the issue of bonds. Bonds have been uh, giving a great return to investors literally since the mid-'80s. Interest rates go down. The value of existing bonds goes up because um, uh, if you've got a 5% bond, the rates go to 3%. Well, somebody will pay you a premium to get a hold of a a bond yielding 5%. Well, now we're at historic lows. So bonds, which once really gave some uh, uh, oomph to to an investment return, are now likely to at best give stability uh, and not much more maybe because as interest rates go up, the value of existing bonds is going to go down. This is going to put pressure on bonds. And so I think a lot of times the question we're talking about now is, does asset allocation as we've been taught it, trained it, or heard about it over the last 30 or 40 years, will it work moving forward? How do I get returns of 25 3.5%, 4% a year in terms of income from my portfolio, yet still get enough growth to keep up with taxes and inflation? And how do I do that without putting all of my money in this crazy thing we call the stock market? So as far as the bond portion of portfolio, do you recommend people extend out maturities or go to lower quality like junk bonds or foreign bonds in order to get the higher yields they need? No, I say I, my suggestion is be very careful. Have a, have a new expectation for your bonds, which is that they're going to give you a couple of percent a year of income, and you're going to have to be getting some of your income from dividends, and you're going to have to be very patient. And I think ultimately uh, the, the, the reality right now is in order to get – income returns, you may have to look at uh, higher yielding stocks, what used to be called value stocks, and you're going to have to take on a little more risk than the traditional balanced portfolio, which would have been 60% stocks and 40% bonds or 50% stocks and 50% bonds. I think there's going to have to be a larger position uh, or a larger allocation to stocks that many people would have liked to or thought they needed to have in retirement. Now, often those uh, investment board strategies, I would tell you, Jordan, were probably a little too conservative because uh, you got to think, of, when I look at retirement, you know, the CFPs that are on our staff, one of the first conversations they'll typically have with somebody is to say, look, you can call it retirement. We're going to call it 30 years of unemployment. How do you have a check for the next 30 years because you're not going to be working? So when yeah. you look at it, when you look at 30 years of unemployment and the fact that uh, two of a couple both make it to age 65, we now have a 50% chance that one of them will make it to 92. That's a lot of time that money's got to be producing income. And there are not a lot of options when you take a look at historic rates of return. There are not a lot of options to stock, which after taxes and after inflation, I know the government says we're not having inflation, Jordan, but you and I know everything that we want to buy that seems to uh, be what we would call fun seems to be going up in price uh, every uh, day, week, month, and year. Uh, when you take a look at trying to beat taxes and inflation, it, there are not many investments out there uh, that will beat the stock market when you take a look historically. 
Now, the Fed Reserve is kind of contemplating whether they should be raising rates or not. You think at some point the Fed will raise rates, even if it's not this year? And if so, how would that impact the stocks and bonds you just talked about? Well, first off, you're talking to a guy who is uh, very involved. We're, we're very involved in the media, and we've been asking that question and answering it in the following manner. We don't know why the Federal Reserve hasn't already started raising interest rates. Are you kidding me? We're talking about what uh, we're talking about the Fed funds rate, which is the overnight rate that one bank will charge another bank when they need to borrow money for something less than a 24-hour period. Now let's talk about this for a minute, George. Could just be ridiculous. I'm a big bank and I want to borrow a million dollars from the uh, from from your bank. All right, the Jordan Goodman First National Bank. And uh, I want to borrow that money overnight. If the rate goes up by a quarter of a percent, it's going to cost me $6. If I need a million dollars out there, what is six bucks going to mean to my bank in the grand scheme of things? I mean, if I have one, one customer at my bank who has an overchargement uh, or uh, an overdraft, excuse me, then that's, you know, well, I'm going to get $35 for that. And it cost me six bucks to borrow the million dollars from you over the weekend. It just, it's, it really, we think it's much ado about nothing. And it reminds us a little bit of that conversation when the Federal Reserve was buying bonds, which was a way that they were stimulating demand for bonds and driving interest rates down. We called it stimulus. Quantitative easing was the other word that, that we all heard a lot. All right. So all of a sudden, one day, the stock market said, oh, they're, the, the Federal Reserve, our nation's bank, is going to stop the quantitative easing. Oh, my goodness. What will happen to our economy? Why, it'll come to a grinding halt because they don't have federal stimulus. Well, we worried about that for a long time. We heard everybody in the national media talking about it. And then all of a sudden, it happened. And you know what? Nothing happened. The sun came up the next day. Markets went on. And it had nothing. To, it didn't affect our economy at all. And I think the greatest mistake that the Federal Reserve has made was to just not raise interest rates six months or a year ago. We would all found out that we woke up in the morning. Everything was fine. And so you think that's what's going to happen now is they're going to start raising interest rates and everything will be fine? Oh, I think the first couple of days it'll be kind of crazy and wacky and you'll see all kinds of irrational uh, movements on the part of uh, investors, the computers, remember, who drive the market sometime between 3 and 4 o'clock in the afternoon based on what they're seeing uh, from dark pools, which are trades taking place off the market floor, and then what winds up hitting the market floor. Oh, I think a couple of days it will be great, dramatic headlines, the world's coming to an end, and it will be a... Uh, uh, a lot of uh, confusion, and then everybody will figure out, you know, oh, the sky's going to come up tomorrow, we're fine, and life will go on. And then every rate increase after that, I think, will have less and less impact until we finally realize it's much to do, as Shakespeare would have said if he was an investment advisor, much to do about nothing. So if you have a bond uh, portion of your portfolio and you have high-yield stocks like utilities or something that's going to be interest-sensitive, you're saying you're not going to take money, significant losses when the Fed starts raising rates? Well, you're not going to take significant losses, but I think uh, particularly, as you mentioned, those utilities, which have been, quote, a sort of safe haven where people say, well, I can go over to utilities and I can get 35 or 4%. This is not your father's utility. Back when utility companies were monopolies and you, know, you had a choice of exactly no other company in your town to get your power from except the local utility company. Those kinds of investments will now start to trade more like a bond and more based on the interest, uh, what, what interest rates will do. And so I'd be very cautious about them. And I think so. The first thing you have to say to yourself what's worked for the last five years? 
uh, okay, is it likely to work for the next five years or should I be changing some of the things that I'm, uh, I'm doing as I approach my asset allocation? And I certainly think as interest rates go up, you should be uh, shortening up the maturities or the duration, if you will, on your bonds. And you should be very careful about dividend-paying stocks unless they also have an opportunity for growth. If you've got growth and a good dividend, okay, that's one thing. But if you've got a dividend and you've got a utility company that's not growing terribly rapidly, then I think you're going to wind up with the same problem you would have if you were holding a 10-year treasury. So are there mutual funds or ETFs that you use to do the growth plus dividend kind of growth and income strategy? Uh, we're we're really much more traditional because we, I think we're we're concerned that uh, that when you go looking for a higher dividend, you're also going to get a higher volatility. Uh, so the S and P kicking out, you know, in round numbers about two percent. Uh, if you need a little more than that, you know, let's let's not forget that the greatest tax dodge for starters is an unrealized capital gain. And so in retirement, one way to make sure you can manage your taxes is to uh, make investments and to uh, then let them grow. Uh, so, you know, I like an S&P 500 uh, index fund. If you need many more than the dividend that's coming from that, from your stock port, uh, portion, then you take a little principal. The idea being that over time, that tree, uh, uh, that financial tr- money tree, if you will, uh, your stocks is going to grow, and you will, tr- you will both take some of the fruit, which would be the dividend, and you might uh, prune a, fr- a few branches, but it's okay because ultimately uh, the stock should be growing faster than the distribution rate. Very good. We're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is um, Nathan Backrack. Uh, he is a uh, chief executive officer at Simply Money, which is a financial advisor and investment management firm based in Cincinnati, Ohio. We'll be back after this. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune into Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. If you are a beginning or aspiring entrepreneur, have you thought about a coach or mentor? For instance, think about sports figures who have successfully become entrepreneurs and leaders in business. They started out with a coach in their respective sport, and many work with a coach today to help them continue to achieve their goals. Listen for ESCN with host Michael Dawson and co-host Angelia Hobson and Diane Daniels. Tune in Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central, and 7 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business and rebroadcasts on Voice America Sports. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. 
Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Nathan Backrack. He's the Chief Executive Officer at Simply Money, which is a financial advisory and investment management firm based in Cincinnati, Ohio. Welcome back to the show, Nathan. Nice to be here. So we talked about the retirees and pre-retirees, and one big thing that they're certainly concerned about is Social Security. Um, So uh, it's about 10,000 people a day turning 65, uh, more and more people collecting Social Security and Medicare. Uh, I guess the overall question is, is Social Security going broke? And uh, what should people plan on realistically over the next few years in Social Security? Sure. Let's start out with this. Social Security is not going broke. And think back when you were in high school and your friends came up to you, Jordan, and they wanted to hit you up for some money or you wanted to go out on a Saturday night, you go, look, I'm broke. Okay. Now, if somebody came up and said, hey, can I borrow $1,000, Jordan? You know, some of your, your friends might say, well, you know, I got a cash flow problem. All right. So, you know, you're worth something, but you might not be able to get your hands on as much cash as, as you might have uh, uh, might like to. Social Security has got a bit of a cash flow problem. However, the system is not broke. The system is not, in a sense, bankrupt. The system does, however, have one big problem. And here's the problem. So if, if we don't make any changes at all to how you get your Social Security benefits, we'll talk about one that just happened recently with file and suspend. But broadly speaking, if you look at what you would get at age 62, 65, or 70, and you say to yourself, well, if I wait until uh, 2035, that's my retirement date, and that's when I turn 65 or 70, that's when I'm going to start taking my benefit. If nothing changes to the system today, then you will only get 75% of whatever the government has been telling you on your statement or when you go to the website, you are going to get. That doesn't mean it's going out of business. It means you will be getting less. And I'll tell you, every day somebody walks into Simply Money office and we'll be doing a plan and they'll go, look, I just don't count Social Security because I don't think it's going to be there. Look, Social Security is going to be there. If no changes are made, you will just get to uh, 75% of what you would have been expecting to get otherwise. So will there be a means test, or how would that be administered? And do you think there will be changes? What changes should be made to make Social Security uh, better in this cash flow situation you're talking about? Well, just to show you how politicians change, we have a senator here now, Rob Portman. When Rob Portman was, one, was I think, the youngest member of the House Ways and Means Committee, going way back to the House of Representatives, this would be in the early, mid-90s, he said to me flat out, and he believed this with everything that was in him, he said, we will never means test Social Security. Means testing meaning that if, let's say, you have an income of $100,000 a year from um, everything else that you're doing, uh, or your investments and pensions, then the government might look at your Social Security and say, well, you know what, um, you're making too much money, so uh, we're going to tax all of your Social Security, which might cut it by 30 or 40 percent, or we're just not going to give you as big a benefit because you already earned so much. So that's means testing. Now, you know that becomes a political decision about whether or not people should uh, be unable to claim the amount that has been promised to them on their statement once they get to Social Security after having uh, passed uh, or after having paid into the system for their entire life. And that, uh, I, I think means testing, uh, right now at least, is not very popular among politicians in Congress. And so as a result, I don't think you're going to see means testing. The big problem with Social Security is very simple. 
when Social Security started, when Franklin Delano Roosevelt said we're going to have a Social Security system, the retirement age was 65. However, at that time when they started this system, the male mortality was 62. Now, Jordan, if you want to be a cynic about it, you say, oh, well, really, President Roosevelt never thought anybody would live long enough to collect because, you, you know, you'd be three years into uh, past your, your, uh, your typical uh, death date before yes. you get any money. Now, we haven't changed fundamentally until the 80s. That didn't change. Then don't ask me what they had for what Congress had for breakfast in the mid 80s. But all of a sudden, somebody one day said, wow, maybe we should put that uh, retirement date off a little. And so based on uh, uh, when your birthday is now for a practical matter, you're likely to not get your benefits till somewhere be, uh, 66 for me, 66 in a few months. Eventually, it'll be 67. By doing that, it pushed out when Social Security will be unable to meet its current obligations to the year 3035, based on what the Congressional Budget Office estimates uh, under current tax revenue and under current. So, so, so you think the retirement age will go up from 67 to some higher level? That would be a good fix for Social Security? I think that's one fix for sure. I mean, I, I will tell you, when well, lots of people these days, when you talk to them, when the certified financial planners here at Simply Money are talking to people, quite often the conversation will go something like this. Okay, I see you've put away some money in your 401k. That's great. Um, but, you know, to maintain the standard of living you have, uh, it's going to take a little bit more money than we reasonably think you should be taking uh, from your investments and Social Security, or maybe you should wait to take Social Security. And then the question, and then the comment usually is, well, yeah, but I'm going to phase out of work, or I'm going to work part-time. Uh, or, you know, the standard jokes would be, well, I'm, I'll go work as a greeter at Walmart. I don't think there's enough greeters at Walmart for all the people who have told me that's what they're going to do. And my response is, well, I got a better idea. If you're actually health, uh, handy with your hands, you can go work at uh, Home Depot uh, and you get paid more than Walmart because you'll actually help all of us people who are uh, trying to do our home improvement shows or improvements, I should say, on our house on the weekend. So mm-hmm. um, it, it's it's. Uh, I think you're going to eventually see that retirement date for full retirement go well above uh, 70 because right now it's 65 and every year that you put off taking a benefit, it rises by a a little over 8%. That's a 32% increase in your benefit by the time you get to 70. My guess is, you know, with people who eventually have a retirement age of 67, then full benefits will come at 72. So keep pushing the bar out or the goal out a little further uh, until it is that you could get your full benefit uh, or your or max max out your benefit, and I think that'll be just a reflection of the reality that uh, you know somebody when I turned fifty, somebody said, "Well, you know, fifty is the new 30. and I said, "Well, you can say that because you're not fifty yet." But uh, I, I I I think as you look at mortality and as you look at uh, at uh, the aging process in medicine, um, then I think it, it just stands to reason that uh, Social Security has got to go out uh, to at least age 72. Now, the no, question, there's, there's, George, but the question about bankruptcy is yes. really interesting because, you know, everybody's, well, the system doesn't have any money in it. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what Social Security has got in it. Social Security has a whole lot of IOUs, treasury bonds is what they're otherwise called. Now, a bond, as you know, is nothing more than a, uh, I'm gonna, you're going to give me some money. 
I'll give you some interest, and someday I'll pay you back the principal. When the government issues a bond, it could be a treasury bond. When a, cor- when a corporation goes out and uh, issues an IOU, uh, we call it a corporate bond. And when your brother-in-law goes out and borrows money from you, we just call it uh, bad debt because you're never going to see it back. But they're all IOUs. And so in this case, Social Security is full of IOUs. They're treasury uh, uh, bonds. And you know something? The government has the full uh, taxing power to go out and make sure that those things actually uh, uh, get the money uh, that they need to run the system. So you know, is Social Security going to go bankrupt? No. Might the government need to come after all of us to make good on the bonds that are in that Social Security fund? Absolutely. But is it going to go bankrupt? Absolutely not. So you're saying possibly marginal tax rates would go up, income tax rates would go up to uh, put the money back in this is an IOU but isn't actually there in Social Security. Yes, that's a great point, Jordan. And I have to tell you, tax rates are going to go up. And when we talk about IRAs with clients, I will tell you, I think you need to diversify tax treatment right now if you're getting ready, you know, if you're 10 or 15 years from retirement, it's t- the Social Security conversation should lead to diversifying your tax treatment as well. So how does that play out in real life? All right. If you've got a match at your 401k at work, great. If it's uh, 50% of the first 6% that you put away, then put away 6% and make sure that you get all the company match. Boom. When you get done with that, if they have a, if you can switch and then go to a Roth 401k, use that. If you don't have a Roth 401k, then go over and set up your own Roth IRA. The, the thinking there being, now we're going to take and get as much money as we can that will grow tax free versus the, uh, the, the 401k match typically is in a traditional 401k where you will, your, your contribution will reduce your taxable income today, but then you're going to have to pay tax on it in the future. So the the good news is you've got the money that your boss contributed compounding and growing, but then all of it is going to be taxed at a future tax rate. And my guess is those future tax rates are going to be substantially higher, which is why once you get the match to Simply Money, we would say, great, now go out and take the see how much tax-free money you can get accumulating because maybe between the two, it'll average out to a tax bracket that'll be a little bit similar to something you'd like to live with in retirement. There's been something called the file and suspend loophole, which right. has been closed recently. Maybe just describe what that was and what impact that's going to have that that loophole has now been closed. Well, it's an interesting loophole. It started actually in 2000, which was about uh, 15, 17 years after Social Security had extended uh, uh, full retirement age from 65 to what will eventually be 67. File and suspend then allowed, let's say in, in a perfect world, you and your wife are the same age. You're both 65 and Next year, in 2016, you are both scheduled uh, to get your full retirement benefit from Social Security at 65. Great. And so, Jordan, you decided to file, and then you decided to suspend your benefit, meaning, all right, I'm I'm filing. Social Security wants me to. I'm going to go on Medicare like uh, you have to, which is a, a critical component of this scenario. But then you know what? I'm working. Uh, I've got uh, I'm involved in uh, some businesses. I don't want to take the benefit now. So I'm going to suspend my benefit and it's going to continue to grow at 8% a year. And every year that I don't start drawing my benefit, it'll be that much larger. Now, that sounds pretty good. By the way, also, when you file and suspend, and this won't change, if you get to 68 
or 69, all of a sudden you go to the doctor and they take a blood test. And they say, Jordan, I got uh, bad news and worse news. Uh, the bad news is that uh, you, know, you're, you don't have long to live. Um, and the worst news is it's going to be pretty quick. Then you say, oh, gosh, what am I, you know, that's, that stinks. I should have taken Social Security. Well, you can go back to Social Security if you filed and suspended and say, you know what, let's pretend I really took what I'm 65. Give me what I had coming to me. Right now, that's not scheduled to change. However, after you file and suspend, and let's say your wife turns 65 the next month, she could also file and uh, she could then file, excuse me, for, uh, for your spouse, for a spousal benefit based on the fact that you filed at age 65. And she can also sus- file and suspend, by the way, for her primary benefit. So you're both allowing your benefits to continue to grow. But she would be able to file, and you're in this case using your wife, she would be able to file and start to get a spousal benefit based on half of whatever your primary insurance amount would have been at age 65. So what happens here? Well, you've both filed and suspended. Then she applied as a spouse, and she's drawing, you know, pick your number, 1200 bucks a month uh, for the next from 65 to 70. And when you do the math on that, that's a lot of money. Round numbers, let's just say it's uh, you know a nice little gift from your uncle, your rich uncle Sam of you know, $50,000 plus. That's a lot of money. And so this was what a lot of people were suggested to consider doing, particularly if they had a fairly close age or if they were already about to retire and they thought their spouse might be able uh, to file for retirement benefit in the next couple of years. Now, this is all going to change. I might also note this will make the world a little safer because, Jordan, if I could tell you how many times a month I get something in the mail telling me, oh, Social Security, it's so complicated. You have 5,000 different options. Come to our free dinner seminar at our rib, steak, whatever, chicken joint, and we will tell you all of the things you don't know about Social Security. And I will tell you, whenever you went to one of those things, it was always uh, basically explaining what we just went over, which is all the aspects of file and suspend. And, of course, now that I've uh, now that I got you here and I bought you dinner and I've told you about Social Security, oh, let me tell you how wonderful I am and all the great things I have that I can do for you. And then it becomes a sales pitch for which you then get called endlessly at dinner time uh, yes. for the next month after that because you wanted to go and find out about it. Now, from a simply money standpoint, what we would tell you is that maybe the government actually – uh, uh, listened when it comes to simply money because now when it comes to figuring out your retirement benefit, it's pretty simple. You're going to take it at 62, in which case you'll take a big reduction. Uh, you wait to 65, the benefit grows by about 6% a year. If you wait from 65 to 70, that benefit grows by about 8% a year. And I will tell you something. If you're thinking about where you can get a guaranteed rate of return, if the difference is taking your benefit at 65 or taking it at 70 and that benefit's growing by 6% or excuse me, by 8% a year, Jordan, it starts to say like, well, you know what? Maybe it makes sense for me to take a little money from my investments. And yeah, that's a guaranteed my- return. <laughs> that's right. right. It's a guaranteed return. I don't know how to make money. I mean, if, look, if I know how to make money better than 8%, you know, I hear right. all the sales pitches for, uh, for fixed indexed annuities that they're going to, you know, keep, gonna up the, <laughs> yeah, keep up the market and they're going to take out the trash and they're going to have all these guarantees and uh, you know, everything else. You know, no, okay. this is a way to, to, to use the government for a, for a better return and a better use of capital. Very good. We're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Nathan Backrack. He's the chief executive officer at Simply Money which is a financial advisory and investment management firm based in Cincinnati, Ohio. We'll be back after this.
Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Kless. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel and simulcast at the same time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K., on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Nathan Backrack. He's the chief executive officer at Simply Money, which is a financial advisory and investment management firm based in Cincinnati, Ohio. Welcome back to the show, Nathan. Good to be here, Jordan. And tell people a website where they can find out more about your firm and what are some of the things available at that website. Well, there's a lot available at that website. First, we do a lot in media, so all the stuff that we say or we record uh, is all over our website. It's www.simplymoney.net. So go to simplymoney.net. Um, we've got calculators over there. We've got uh, all of the uh, uh, all of our radio shows. If you want to listen to a podcast, uh, our television segments uh, when we're on national television, all of that stuff's there. A lot of great resources um, and the uh, column that we write for the local. Uh, Cincinnati Inquirer, uh, our local newspaper here. That stuff's all there. Uh, a lot of great content. And uh, even if you never uh, have any interest in coming to our office, I think there's great stuff to learn. And as you can imagine from Simply Money, Jordan, it's all simple and straightforward. And I think, uh, as the old expression goes, once you get it, you got it. And uh, so it's, we hope that it will be helpful to anybody who goes there. Very good. So again, that's simplymoney.net. Right. Okay. So I want to talk about retirement a little bit. Now, when people are heading towards retirement, You've been saying that men and women have different expectations. What is the difference, and how does one work that out when you actually get to retirement? Oh, yeah. Well, let's talk about the statistic. When men were asked, gee, what do you plan to do in retirement? What are you looking forward to in retirement? Here's the guy's answer. 60% of men say, oh, I'm going to spend more time with my wife. Now, Jordan, you want to take a guess of what the wives are saying? Well, they're saying, uh, you know, about 40% of them feel that way. I think the other 60% are thinking like, oh, wait a minute. 
I had my life just the way I wanted it. I had everything figured out. I got my day. I say goodbye to my husband. He goes to work. I don't see him till the evening. We get a couple hours, then we go to sleep. Now, all of a sudden, oh, wonderful. His idea of retirement is spending more time with me. I don't think so. And so, as the old expression goes, maybe what we got here is a bit of a failure to communicate because, uh, and, and I heard of, I, I was once doing a seminar. A woman came up uh, during one of the breaks and she said, you know something? I'm going to tell you what retirement is. Retirement is too much husband and not enough money. <laughs> and when you think about uh, uh, that, this, this recent survey, uh, you know, what would say to you is, well, guys, what are you going to be doing in retirement if you think, oh, I'm going to finally spend more time with my wife? And when she's saying, I don't want to, maybe the, the real issue here, and I'm gonna t- I'll tell you something, Jordan. I've sat with thousands of people uh, over the course of my career. And quite often, uh, I'll see men who come in and they'll bring with them a retirement offer, a buyout package. Gee, you know, here, here we go. Uh, my company's downsizing or, you know, they're giving me my a retirement offer. Um, let me know if the numbers work. And I'm yeah. going to tell you something, Jordan. It's not about the numbers. Because really what this survey says, that 60% of men are looking forward to being with their wives and many of their wives are saying, oh, no, you're not. What we're talking about here is social change. So and what's a better way to handle it? If, they, well, if they're going that, do they have to have hobbies or have plans for what they're going to do in retirement and not just sit around the house? Absolutely. And, and it might be uh, being underemployed or it might be going on a part-time basis. But I would tell you, just like when you talk about how much should we put in a 401k, here's all, here, here are, let, me put it, I have, let me put it this way. What I have learned from successful retirees is that they have a common vision of what retirement will look like. And they've been saving for it. They've been paying down the mortgage or they've gone to some place where they're going to stay in the winter if it's uh, live in a place where it's cold uh, or they've already learned that uh, someday they're going to be living near their children because first off, their children will help them as they get older. And secondly, they want to be around the grandchildren. Um, they're, they're involved in their community or they're not. They've got hobbies or they're not. They exercise or they don't. All of that stuff, it gets determined in the 15, 20, 25 years prior to getting to the point where you're financially independent and your money is going to support you because you're no longer working. And so I think those discussions have to take place. Social change is the biggest factor. And, you know, when you work with a group of people, you think they're your friends because you're working with them. You might work at a place 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Here's a definition to use going forward about friends. If you're thinking about something that's on your mind, and it involves maybe somebody you work with. If you find yourself on the weekend saying, eh, you know, I tell you what, I'm, I'm going to call call him Monday. I, I'm not going to bother him. Well, guess what? That's not a friend. Because yeah. my friends, I got to talk to them. I'm calling them. I got their number at home. And I'm calling them whenever I feel like it. And that's that. And you're and saying so, those people will drop away once you retire, basically. They're gone. You know, yeah. love to see you. Hey, let's catch up. And then, the, the, you know, maybe you have a lunch for a month or two after separation from work. But you know what? People go on their way. So you got to have a plan. you got to have a plan not only for your income. You have to have a plan for what you're going to do. And I'll I'll tell you how it works out in real life. group of people come in, Simply Money clients come in. They've now decided one of their jobs is to keep up with how I'm doing my job. All right? Mm -hmm. I see them very often, and they're always worried about what's going on with their money. There's another much larger group, and this is the group that that, that I would say we should all pattern ourselves after. 
They come in the office. You can get them in a couple of times a year. They look at their investments. They've got the beat to the song and the lyrics. They can snap their fingers into it and hum, to it and hum a few bars. They know what's going on, and they go, thanks, great, got to go, by." And they'll usually make a comment somewhere along the lines that says, gosh, how did I ever fit a full-time job for 40, 50 hours a week into mm-hmm. my life? I got so much to do. I'm going here. I'm going there. I'm going to the play tonight. I, I just did yoga this morning. Uh, I'm going to take a walk in the park with friends. That's I'm, a much I'm, better retirement, you're saying, to have that kind ab- of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And so if yeah. you, when you meet people like that, make sure to spend time with them, scrape some DNA from them, and you figure out how to clone yourself to be like them. Very good. All right, we're going to go to another topic, which is holiday shopping. I mean, we're just about to enter the holiday shopping season. Before we get into some of the details, are you looking for relatively strong holiday shopping season or not compared to last year? No, I'm thinking the holiday season this year, we do a, a Simply Money sentiment survey uh, in conjunction with Xavier University here, and it's, it's a very effective study. Right now, I would say shopping will be about the same as it was or maybe a little less than last year. Uh, I think there's a lot more caution among the com- many consumers than retailers would like to see, but I think that's how it's going to be. So I think it's going to be a slower holiday season. So what are some things people can do to get uh, to plan for it so they don't run wild and end up paying off their Christmas bills next year or something like yeah. that because you know, they well, don't that, spend too much? I, you, you're absolutely right. The first thing they got to do is look in the mirror and say to themselves, okay, did I go over my budget last year? Did I wind up looking at a credit card bill in January that kind of just ruined the rest of my winter because now I was behind the eight ball. If that's you, then the first thing you got to do if you're going to solve a problem is say, all right, I got a problem. I'm not going to let that happen to me again this year. Secondly, make a list. Figure out how much you're going to pay for people. And here's something I like goes contrary to everything I've heard most planners say. Here's this. If you're going to spend $700, great. Go get $700 in cash. Make a list of what you're going to pay everybody or what you're, what you're going to spend on everybody. Put that uh, $700 in an envelope, and when you go shopping, uh, forget the – I know you're not going to get rewards miles, but when you go shopping, buy everything with cash. And first off, as you peel out 20-hour bills, you go, gosh, I'm spending a lot on her or a lot on him. Maybe right off the bat, when it's real money that you're peeling out of that envelope, you'll mo- right off the bat – You'll moderate yourself. But here's the, the other bargain you make with yourself is when the money's gone, so is the shopping. And the other thing I would tell you is I hate, I hate, the, I hate cards. I hate gift cards. All right? right now, there's $44 billion worth of gift cards that were bought and not used. Now, yes. I, I, so this is great for the retailer. Oh, my goodness. You know, can't say how many can we sell? This is fabulous. However, I believe nothing says I love you and I care for you quite like a nice – crisp $20 bill. And there's nothing wrong with a $20 bill and a $5 bill. And so if you go to the bank and you make sure you get nice crisp ones, somebody will will know that you actually went out of your way to get a nice uh, crisp bill. So that's just the same as going to uh, your local grocery store and going through the rack of all the different gift cards. And you know what? They don't have to worry about which store it is. They don't have to worry about you know using the whole so, twenty so, bucks. So actual cash works quite well. You're saying as it's fat. You know, it's fascinating. Nothing. I'm telling you, nothing says I love you like a twenty dollar bill. <laughs> Very good. We're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Nathan Backrack. He's Chief Executive Officer at Simply Money, which is a financial advisory and investment management firm based in Cincinnati, Ohio. His website is simplymoney.net. Lots of good things there. We'll be back after this.
There are two types of leaders in business. Those who are nice, compassionate people. And frankly, they are the people who fail to get a lot done. Then there are those who can get everything done and so much more. But they are greedy, unethical, and self-centered. The Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with Kathy Fairbanks finds a way to use the best of both types of leaders to help you create a dynamic roadmap to success. Tune in every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Business. What if every day was a good day for business? Because every decision you made was the best choice. What if you could receive regular input from credible sources and could acquire all the precise information you need, exactly when you need it, so you can make the right decision every single time? Because There's More challenges you to make better decisions. Join Laura Ellis every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, and 2 p.m. GMT on the Voice America Business Channel and learn how to think differently for better decisions, better business. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour, Nathan Backrack, is CEO at Simply Money, which is a financial advisory firm based in Cincinnati, Ohio. Their website, simplymoney.net. Welcome back to the show, Nathan. Thanks, Jordan. Glad to be here. We talked about the holiday shopping. Now, should people pay full price, or what is the best way to get good deals on the holiday shopping these days? Well, I'll tell you something. These days, if you do not shop with a smartphone, and if you don't happen to have a smartphone, then make sure somebody in your family does and you can borrow it. You absolutely have to look at shopping as a full-contact electronic sport, all right? And then you have to start going out and looking for bargains. And the first, but, but even before you look for a bargain, you got to know what a bargain is. So that's why you spend your time. You make your list. You know, I've said use cash, but if you're going to use a credit card and you're going to go online, at least first off, make your list. Decide what you're going to pay for each person. And keep in mind that websites, just like when you go to a store, are designed to get you to spend more than you originally planned to when you get there. So... Uh, I'm I'm a little bit ADD in my adult life, uh, so I got to be really careful that the pop-up menus and things don't get me going. Ooh, wow, yeah, look at that! Now, if you're in the store, I love an app like Red Laser. I guess it's a great app to find out just exactly what's around in your neighborhood and what you actually could get for which price. Which app was that? I think people didn't catch that. Which app is Red Laser? I love Red Laser. Great app. And mm-hmm. we have a whole list on our website of uh, of shopping tips specifically because we've got some uh, Olympic strength shoppers here at Simply Money who uh, who spent a lot of time figuring out how to get uh, the best bargains. The first great way to get a bargain when you go online is uh, this is a, sort of a bargain with the devil. You've got to give you've got to sign up and you got to get your uh, email registered. Okay, and I have an email address just for those things. That way, if I wind up seeing 300 emails over there, it doesn't bother me because I know it's all coming uh, to a junk email address. All right? But I sign up for each of the sites, and then I go shopping. And at some point, I fill up my basket. And then at some point, if I'm thinking I found the better price, I'll just leave the basket open. And sure enough, within five or ten minutes, somebody will come on a chat and go, oh, hi, Nathan. Um... Uh, we see you didn't check out. And then I go, yeah, actually, I saw it cheaper somewhere else. Or actually, 
I liked it, but uh, it was $5 more than my budget. And all of a sudden, you'll find yourself doing something that you might uh, uh, maybe not even feel comfortable doing in a store, and that's haggling. And yes, mm-hmm. you can haggle online, but you got to give, you got to trade them some information first, which is who you are. Then you got to go filling up your basket, and then you've got to uh, uh, let it sit for a while. And then, believe me, they know how long you've been on the site. They know whether or not um, you're uh, uh, moving towards uh, closing the sale. And they'll so they'll make a counteroffer as a basis. Oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah. That's a very and, good tip. <laughs> and, and don't be afraid. And don't be afraid, by the way to ask for a discount. Now, in, in, again, to do that, when you most, like, for instance, uh, Target, Walmart, they've all got price-matching uh, policies. But nobody, and I mean nobody, is going to remind you about that when you show up and you're shopping. So yeah. you're going to have to prove, always have with you some documentation. But assuming that you've got the documentation with you, then you'll find that you can get those discounts from somewhere else. And don't and, and I'll tell you something. I had this recently. It seems that uh, every appliance in my kitchen lasts about three years, and then it breaks down. Okay, yeah. and so I'm over at one of the appliance stores, and they're telling me, "Oh yeah, well here's uh, I can just pull it up for you and show you what all the cheapest things are." What? No, no, no. You go do your own research because I found it, and then I had an offer that I had gotten uh, from the repair service that came out and told me that my washing machine was dead. And I said, yeah, but I get an extra 50 bucks off this. And then uh, as it is, they couldn't get it to me by the time they said they could. And I said, well, now I'm a week without a washing machine. They took another $100 off the machine. So, you know, if you're going to be dealing with human beings and things aren't going according to plan, I will tell you, you can find uh, they'll be willing to continue to cut the price if the service hasn't been perfect in terms of your uh, uh, delivery. Very good. Another thing you're saying in the holiday season is not only plan for the cost of gifts, but other things like meals and travel and new outfits for holiday parties. So that kind of catches people and blows their budget. Tell me about that. Well, you, when we think about the holidays and the family getting together, um, we forget, as an example, that when your kids, and in this case my kids, come back from uh, college or they're just out of college and they have a job and they come back, and next thing you know um, – I'm having not my family of five or six for dinner, but I've got uh, all of my kids, all of their friends. The meals are getting bigger. Oh, okay. Well, guess what? Uh, Great to see the whole gang back together again. But keep in mind, every time something like this happens, it's costing a little more money. And then then there's the little murders that take place. It's your kids going out, Dad, Mom, can I borrow 20 bucks? And there you go. There's a little bit. Next thing you know, you look after the holidays and you go, well, gee whiz, somehow, how do we get over budget on this thing? I mean, what, what happened there? Well, it's because, you know, you, know, you want to look nice and you're out there shopping. And here's the funny thing. When they did statistics on uh, Black Friday shoppers, more than half of the things that are purchased on Black Friday, they're for the person making the purchase Mm. They're they're not for somebody on the shopping list. Yeah, and you know, it's, it's, so the joke is it's uh, you know when you're looking in your eyes, you know what I see? Oh, I see me. I see a reflection of me. This was a, <laughs> a, a card I saw once. But that's what's happening on on uh, Black Friday. People are going shopping and going, well, that's nice. I could do that. I need a new suit. That's a nice sweater. I don't know if anybody's going to get that for me. Next thing you know, uh, uh, you're buying for you before you even think about buying for others. So we have about a minute left. So why don't you just kind of summarize? The kind of things people can find at simplymoney.net, kind of services you offer, and what difference it'll make in people's lives to follow the advice you've given in this last hour. Well, I'll tell you this much. It'll make your life simple and a little bit easier, 
and it'll help you to pay attention to the, the what I'll call the little financial murders. Uh, when we take a look back on our lives financially, we say, well, yeah, I made a lot of money. What happened to it? It all seemed to go someplace. Usually it's not one big thing, Jordan. It's a lot of little things. And just like money, which we talk about on your show, can grow and compound and become a lot of money over time, wasting a little money here, wasting a little money there, not paying attention to, to, a, to a sale here, not paying, paying attention to a, a bill over here. Next thing you know, that also compounds in the opposite way and steals money away that could otherwise go for retirement and probably wouldn't change your standard of living. So when it comes to day-to-day daily suggestions and advice on how to both balance putting money away for the big thing, which is retirement, and then also being able to get the most for the dollars that you earn on a daily basis, that's the stuff you'll find when you go to simplymoney.net. Very good. We've had a lot of good information. My guest this hour has been Nathan Backrack. He's the chief executive officer at Simply Money which is a financial advisory and investment management firm based in Cincinnati, Ohio. He's on the radio, TV, all over the place there. His website, again, is simplymoney.net. Thanks so much for being on The Money Answer Show, Nathan. My pleasure, Jordan. And we'll be back with another edition of The Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and The Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america business channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericabusiness.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the voice america talk radio network its staff and management